0: The. There was the creepy voice. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Yeah, but I'm Vivian Kapoor, and today we have a very special episode because uh, I get to sit down and talk with the most amazing TikTok star, the most amazing makeup artist, uh, a, a drag artist that I've looked up to for years. Everyone, please welcome Venus Envy. Hello, hello. Oh
1: my gosh, what a sweet introduction. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's it's all true. I mean, uh, who else but you started the trend of the eyeball-mouth-eyeball?
1: Eyeball. <laughs> My legacy?
0: Mm, I mean, everyone's got to have one. <laughs> How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm finally chilly for once. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm... Hot drinks right now. <laughs> I was you are in you are in Orlando.
1: I'm in Orlando, where it is most definitely not chilly. In fact, <laughs> it's been like in the 90s at least once this week, and I'm over oh it. God.
0: Oh <laughs> my god, I would not be able to handle that. I it got up into the 60s here last week, and I was already complaining about the humidity. So,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and then the fact that I do a lot of day drag. Like, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, right off the bat, let's let's uh, go in and talk about um, how did you get started in drag? Where did that come from?
1: Um. Well, I've always loved drag. I honestly can't remember my first exposure to it. I feel like it might have been the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I was maybe like 14 or 15 when I first got into drag and I am 30. So, <laughs> so, this was pre drag race. Okay. Just throwing that out there. So, <laughs> I don't know how I first found out about drag, but I've always loved it. I've loved every part of it, everything that goes into it, because it's almost like all my favorite things put together in one. Because it's like musical theater, it's makeup, it's stage performance. And you don't actually have to be able to sing or dance to do it. So I can actually participate this time.
0: <laughs> it's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> who who knows how to dance anymore? It's all just, you know, arm no, motions and kickball steps.
1: And I'm still consistently the worst one in the class every week.
0: <laughs> hey, but at least you're trying.
1: I am trying. I'm trying my best.
0: <laughs> um, so did, did you... Did you come at it, one of the things that I'm intensely curious about with every drag queen right now is uh, figuring out their artistic background because I have this working theory that uh, drag artists with extremely um, graphic faces tend to come from a more like graphic art and like uh, uh, that kind of art world and, and I'm not describing this correctly. Do you have no, any art you. background?
1: <laughs> you are correct. Um, my, background, my main hobby from the time I was a child was drawing. So I feel like primarily where most of my talent lies in drag is definitely in the face. I've always been in love with theater, but I never like took dance classes growing up. I've never taken singing lessons. Um, I was actually like very shy for like my entire childhood and teenage years so I'm still in the process of acquiring those skills as an adult but yeah I definitely have more of a background in like fine arts.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean you can see that your makeup is some of the best makeup I think uh, out there right now Thank I definitely you. have looked at your face several, many hundreds of times and been like, how did she do that? What, what how can I do that?
1: <laughs> I, do I learned too, by looking at other drag queens and saying, I like what she did there, but on my mm-hmm. face, I'm going to do it a little bit more like this.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what is, have you found that you've had um, trouble in the drag community being um, someone who is more uh, feminine bodied rather than. Uh, someone who a lot of younger drag queens might think of as not being allowed, quote unquote, to do drag? <laughs> um,
1: I will say this. In the drag community, no, absolutely not. I've not experienced any trouble. I'm, I've i always, from the get-go, when I first started drag, I've been very well accepted. Um, for a long time, I didn't think that women could do drag just because I hadn't seen it. Because as a teenager, you know, not being 18 yet, I I wasn't actually going to clubs and going to drag shows because I wasn't old enough. So (laughs) all I really had to go by was what I saw online. And then once I was actually 18 and moving to a bigger city and able to experience drag, my first drag show was like my college's annual drag show. So just like tons of entertainers, half the local drag scene. I got to see all of it in one night. And I really was able to appreciate the diversity of Orlando's drag scene and all the different ways that drag can exist. So definitely Orlando's drag scene is what actually made me realize that I can do drag. It's what inspired me to do drag. And I think that's kind of, I'm just so grateful that I got my start here because I think that being in a city where I didn't have to fight for my right to just be able to do drag, as a woman i think that helped me a lot exponentially because i was actually being encouraged by mm. other entertainers in the industry the only hate that i've gotten like from the actual drag scene was it came from times i went to other cities and like i am very open about the fact that i am an afab drag artist so how places have booked me and not <laughs> know is absolutely beyond me but um I worked once in a small town in Florida um I'm not just not naming the town because I don't want to out them I, it's seriously such a small <laughs> town I don't remember the name of it I don't remember the name of the bar I doubt it's still open um but they booked me and I went to go into the dressing room and they were like whoa whoa you can't be in here entertainers only and I was like I'm I'm the headliner like that that's me on the flyer and they were like you're a woman. And I was like, (laughs) yes, I am. And they're like, oh, honey, if we knew we would not have booked you because we don't do that here. (gasps) And then they were kind of like, well, okay, I guess, you know, get on stage, give it your best. And I'm like, you booked me because you liked my performance videos and you liked my photos and you liked my content and you liked my following. So why does my gender change any of that for you
0: yeah that's so weird
1: like you are getting the same person that you booked like
0: that's very know. like it, it makes me think of very like uh late 19th century like louisa may, may alcott trying to get her works published and they're like we love your books come in and talk to us she goes in oh you're never mind
1: yeah like, like a very victor victoria moment
0: yeah like what the heck it's the 2000s this is the 2020s we've been here for many many years stop it this was not in the 2020s this was uh maybe 2015
1: maybe 2016 still
0: still (laughs) that's that's so crazy to me well yeah it's that's I don't know it's very strange to me I I think the only time I ever was like confused by it was when I first started drag because again I that was all the representation that I'd seen of drag artists was just men wearing dresses and then all of a sudden I saw like drag kings I had never even heard of a drag king before I was like what is happening why are they here and they're like because that's another thing that happens I was like wait what
1: <laughs> see I knew what a drag king was I actually tried I mean I'm going to put it like in quotes like king drag I don't know how to call it- <laughs> drag so much is like me cross-dressing um (laughs) you're old in high school and my drag persona was an emo boy and like I would like lip sync to like all the music I regularly listened to but like I, I just wasn't good at it it just wasn't really like my thing like it was fun for a little bit but I acknowledge that like I'm just not good at it like there is so much that goes into being a drag king like it's like can I lip sync on stage yes but there's m- so much more that goes into shifting your persona to that mm. of like more masculine energy and I I just don't have it in me so props <laughs> to all the drag kings out there I cannot do it
0: I've thought about it like I've done drag king makeup looks before and then like thought about performing like it I don't think I have the masculine energy <laughs> in me either. <laughs> like it's it's a very different very different monster from a drag being a drag queen it's yeah, it's a completely different embodiment um what I've never been I've I was about to say I was n- I've never been to Florida that's not true when I was nine I was in Fort Lauderdale for two days before my grandparents took us on a cruise so I've technically <laughs> been to Florida I wouldn't count it but I've technically um but what is what is Orlando like both like the queer scene and Orlando itself especially
1: um, right so now. <laughs> orlando itself orlando itself as i'm sure you can imagine is a tourist city our entire city's economy essentially is based on tourism and with that that means that we have a very high population of people who are theater people. So pretty much anyone who works at any of the theme parks is going to be someone who has a background in theater or who is pursuing theater, or who has a desire to participate in theater. So Orlando has this really amazing, rich theater community. And with that, Orlando also every year gets an influx of new 18 year olds in the Disney college program, who are insanely talented, who do these full production drag numbers with all their friends who also work in Disney. So Orlando is, it was already like competitive, but like every time I go out on Tuesdays to watch the Twisty Tuesday talent show, I just watch the show and I sit there thinking, damn, I would not have survived. I never would have <laughs> I, I cannot compete with these, these kids, with this generation. Did. So it's definitely like the drag is good, for the audience but when you are a drag entertainer living in Orlando the competition is insane and I'm sure it's the same in New York if not even more
0: so I mean I guess it's it's weird in New York uh just because the the scene is so kind of separated into really three different kind of enclaves of drag um like you have Hell's Kitchen you have the West Village and you have Brooklyn um and there's some crossover but each of those types of drag kind of has like branched off and really kind of separated itself and has very specific things about it that are that area's drag um but yeah there's definitely still the like fresh out of college I'm in New York I want to be on stage and then two years later they're burnt out from auditioning and they're like I'm going to do drag <laughs> <laughs> Like those um here, I've honestly the- oh, I was just gonna say, I honestly never thought of that with Orlando like it it seems i've I don't think I've ever truly gotten a good picture of Orlando in the news, which has never which hasn't helped me in coming up with like a good image of it and thinking about the fact that it has like what like five theme parks.
1: Yeah, I'm possibly even more than that, but like, what do you say? I haven't seen much good stuff about Orlando in the news.
0: <laughs> okay, to be fair, not specifically about Orlando, just like in general of Florida, whatever it's in the news. I grew up in Seattle, so like, whatever Seattle talks about Florida, it's never good.
1: <laughs> no, it's not, and we know, um, Florida is the Australia of America.
0: <laughs> sure the is.
1: Are like nowhere else in the United States. The people are absolutely wild um <laughs> typically when we're in the news it's like man uses an alligator to break into local mcdonald's it's never for anything good and it's always like florida man did this yeah florida, good old
0: florida man,
1: man. man. <laughs> when she moved to california it didn't get any better <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely yeah in addition to um good drag it's also like a you know, high crime very like transient population. A lot Mm. of the drag is catered toward more so of that tourism. And a lot of the drag is catered toward locals. And those are kind of two different scenes. But Mm. other than that separation, there's not really any separation Orlando's drag scene. It's kind of like this big melting pot where you can go and see a Rue girl, a Dragula girl, a Miss Continental, and a club kid in the same show on like any given night. So like, that's That's one thing I love about Orlando, Um, but it's not really that way out of like, wonderful community, everybody loves each other. That's part of it, yes. But the other part of it is that Orlando's nightlife scene just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller because we lost Pulse in 2016 and then Parliament House did not survive the pandemic. And then more recently, we lost Stonewall. So we really only have Southern Nights, which is the club. And then we have Savoy, which is like a bar. Wow. And that's kind of all we have at the moment. Um smushed that people...
0: whole scene into just two bars.
1: Yes. So that's part crazy. of the reason the drag is so diverse is because all the different people from all the different places only now have one venue to perform in. Um, Parliament House will hopefully be reopening soon. I'm hoping that we'll get more more queer venues instead of just, like, straight venues hosting queer nights mm. until it's no longer profitable for them. Yeah. But that's kind of where Orlando's at right now.
0: I don't think I even thought about that. Did So Pulse never reopened? No. Oof. I mean, I... I don't want to I don't want to like spend any time talking about that just cuz many reasons but oh. um but yeah I don't think I ever stopped to think about what happened to uh the the physical building and the community that was there post trauma like I never
1: building is still there it's boarded up and there's a fence around it and the fence is decorated with all these beautiful photos and there's always like flowers and offerings and it's like a peaceful beautiful little place but the building is all that remains Pulse has not reopened since Mm -hmm. then
0: is it something that the the community wants to reopen or is it just it's kind of that chapter is closed and it's just going to stay kind of a memorial for now
1: I think that chapter is closed the physical building I know I don't think it would ever reopen um, mm-hmm. as far as opening another building that was originally something that I think was in the works and was being planned but I don't foresee it happening anymore
0: interesting yeah i don't I don't think I don't think a space like that kind of getting a little woo-woo. I don't think a space like that could move forward in a positive way, energetically from that. Like it it, it definitely feels like something that it's just like, nope, that's, we're good. <laughs> the
1: space will never reopen. And in the process of it, much of the building was destroyed.
0: Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, what, you your drag itself is very I love it it's all these bright colors and it's all these uh shiny materials which I mean shiny things always are (laughs) the best things um where where did your kind of aesthetic inspiration come from
1: I would say probably most of my aesthetic inspiration came from dolls I do collect dolls if I turn my phone here I've got Oh, God. (laughs) Dolls
0: are the thing that scare me the most in life.
1: (laughs) And I have like this intense fascination with anything that is not human, but sort of resembles a human. So I don't just have dolls in my room. I also have mannequins. And I would really love one day to own an animatronic, but they're very expensive.
0: Oh, my God. So just anything in the uncanny valley.
1: Anything in the Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley is where I live. It's where I thrive. (laughs) Um, So I will say a lot of my inspiration comes from dolls. Not so much like the porcelain dolls that I collect, but maybe more so like the Monster High Barbie doll Bratz doll. You know, the way every drag queen describes their drag.
0: I mean, yeah.
1: (laughs) I like like my mug to be stamped. I like my outfit to be very matchy-matchy. I like to look like a doll more so than looking like a human.
0: I could see that. I actually, when I had been doing drag for probably three, four years, I was getting tired of how I was doing my makeup and was feeling like it was all very, uh, it was all very kind of uh, blended out, which I mean, we all want to be blended, but like almost in a bad way to where like, there were no lines, there was no contour anymore. And it was just kind of all smoky lines. And I was like, what do I do with this? And I started watching all these like Monster High doll repaints on YouTube, One and like watching watching artists repaint doll faces, super uh, inspired me and in how I started like changing my makeup and doing my makeup and the colors I used and the shapes I used. Um, I think it's such a good thing for any kind of artist to seep themselves in other types of art. Um, just to get new inspiration because I mean my art background is all in like watercolors um so that's why everything was kind of getting like diffused out and I always start with like the light stuff and then slowly add on layers of dark like my friends often make fun of me because I I tend to like eyeshadow companies that don't have super pigmented eyeshadows so I can put on like 500 layers of eyeshadow getting it just to that right uh well, so that... I yeah. want
1: to do one I want it to be nothing <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but but watching those doll repaints it's so it's so cool and it's so inspiring just to see this like blank piece, piece of plastic all of a sudden just come to life um, and it's I can absolutely see that uh, in your face
1: oh yeah I've never been one to watch makeup tutorials um, and I've actually never thought of this before but I do watch a lot of doll creation, doll repainting videos. So if anything, that's probably where I learned to do makeup.
0: <laughs> I always found it interesting that they used makeup brushes, but they used pastels instead of makeup to do the exact same things. I was just like, I see what you're doing there. Um, When we, uh, I have all of my guests fill out a little questionnaire beforehand. Um, and when you filled it out, I saw that we have something very much in common. Uh, in that you really enjoy true crime. I do. And as someone from the Pacific Northwest, I could understand being from a place with lots of serial killers <laughs> and kind of growing up with that culture. First off, did you grow up in Orlando?
1: No, I moved to Orlando at 18 for college. And then okay. before that, I actually lived in South Florida for about five years. And then before that, I'm from New Jersey.
0: Oh, wow. I would never have guessed. <laughs> you seem so normal for New Jersey.
1: <laughs> I like a teeny bit of an accent, but I definitely don't have one anymore.
0: That's fair. Uh, but I can understand the the love of true crime. Can you tell me a little bit about uh where that came from for you?
1: Honestly, that's more of like a recent like fixation. Back in the Tumblr days, um the true crime community, the hashtag TCC, um, (laughs) used to have a little bit of like beef with them because at that time, back in like the, you know, mid-2000s, the true crime community was a lot of like glorifying serial killers and like fetishizing the school shooter trope. And Mm. I used to hate that community and argue with them on a very regular basis. And then they, they would just be like, well, I just, I just like the psychology behind it as you're like editing flower crowns onto Dylan Klebold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So originally I just didn't think that that was anything I would be into. And then I went to college, majored in psychology, became very interested in the psychology behind it. And I was like, oh, this is why people like this. Mm. I can get into this. And I don't think like I could stomach like watching a full true crime documentary that shows all like the gory details with sound effects, but a podcast, absolutely.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, even podcasts, I, when I first started, cause like, I grew up hearing stories about like Ted Bundy because of course I did. uh, And, and just hearing some of these names, but then I started working at Goodwill in the back room And I was just like sorting stuff all day. And so I needed something to do. And so that's when I got into podcasts and um, quickly got into, it was right at the beginning of my favorite murder. So I think it took me a couple of months to hear about that one because they had like just started. Um, But I'd been listening to Sword and Scale um, because that was kind of the premier true crime podcast at the time. And I remember there were some episodes where he got very graphic, and like would play like nine one one calls and stuff, and I would have to like stop listening because I was like, "That was way too much. I need to go listen to some music right now." Suffice it to say, I don't listen to those podcasts anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, most of the ones I listen to, they're not honestly podcasts; they're YouTubers. But I just like mm-hmm. I listen to them, watch it because that's what I'll have on while I do my makeup while I'm getting ready. <laughs> Morning. While I'm driving the car, you know, just going about my daily business, like her arms were cut off, her legs were cut off, her body. <laughs> oh, and I watch mostly British ones, so it'll be like <coughs> her body found in the boot of the car in the garage, or something like that. I have a horrible accent. So I'm fucking it people anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. I have questioned myself and my love of it quite a bit, and like, why do I like this so much? And I think it's because I'm one of those people that's just perpetually anxious and so listening to it helps me feel more prepared uh in my everyday life like if something bad were to happen to me i'm like i know theoretically what to do now
1: same i'm like theoretically i know exactly what i would do if i was kidnapped or if i was to carry out a kidnapping <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean hey i'm not going to say that i have not planned the perfect murder a few times
1: yeah.
0: not that i would do it? I don't think, <laughs> but that's the <laughs> fun of it.
1: That's the fun. Will I do it? Will I not? You never know. Gotta keep. You never know. So
0: maybe I you want to me- stay on my good <laughs> side. <laughs> Wait. So you're you said your degrees in psychology.
1: My undergraduate degrees in psychology, and my graduate degrees in counseling, more specifically.
0: Oh, that's cool. I did not know that, and. It's good to know there are other drag queens out there who also have master's degrees.
1: Yeah, you too can do this. (laughs) (laughs) You too can go to school
0: for way too many years and have way too many pieces of paper that you're supposed to hang on your wall just to put on makeup and dance around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I perform like at least once a year at my old university because I went to the same university for undergrad and grad school. I went to UCF. So every time I perform there and they're like, oh so did you actually like you know graduate from here I'll be like yes I graduated from here twice and you too can grow up to be just like me
0: I bet the guidance counselors there are so happy about that like please stop telling our students this <laughs> hey, you really please- you can get jobs in your field It happens
1: <laughs> yeah and I didn't even major in theater <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, oh yeah I mean I majored in in music specifically singing and do I ever sing in drag maybe once every three years
1: I wish I could mm-hmm. sing I would totally like I think I could probably write parodies pretty well I just um, can't sing
0: that's fair just do just do rap parodies
1: <laughs> spoken word yes just- turn the hell out of it
0: Oh, that'd be amazing. Just interpretive dance and spoken word. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. <laughs> I've tried doing the parody thing. It's I'm not witty enough. I am very much not witty enough. Um, but one of my favorite
1: things with Sherry Vine. I think she's from New York. Oh, right?
0: I love Sherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She I think she's in LA now, but she was here up until a few years ago.
1: Back when I was like 16, like searching drag queen on YouTube. Her Lady Gaga covers were, like, my jam.
0: Mm. Sherry Vine, uh, Varla Jean Merman, and, um, 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 oh, why am I forgetting her name? I feel awful for forgetting her name. Uh, Jackie Beat. If I hadn't got there, I would have been so mad at myself. (laughs) Um, those three are probably my favorite, uh, parody singers. They're so much fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, Jack, I think Jackie Beat's Christmas album is the one that I just, like, die over. Um, I guess it's not a full album, but, like, her Christmas songs, they're amazing. Um, what got you into psychology?
1: So, what got me into psychology is I was 18 years old, graduating from high school, had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be, like, a makeup artist or perhaps a tattoo artist, something in like the fine arts industry. But I also knew that my parents um, would not accept any answer other than you are going to university. So I had to look at the different majors at the different universities to see what I wanted to major in. And they didn't really have a lot that I wanted because, you know, you don't learn makeup artistry or esthetician, that's not a word, at a university, you go to a cosmetology yeah. school for that. Um, and I eventually settled on interior design, but out of all the universities in my whole state, there's only two that offer interior design as a major. And one of them was phasing out the program. I wound up not getting into the school that offered interior design. So my backup plan was psychology because I had taken AP psychology in high school and I found it very interesting. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to major in that. And my parents hated it. So of course that made me want to speak even more (laughs) and I wound up graduating with a degree in psychology with the knowledge that you know if you want to work in this field you need at least a master's degree and I originally wanted to be a therapist like a mental health counselor and work in a practice or an agency that was specifically catered to the LGBTQ community that was my Mm -hmm. dream at first and then I wound up and
0: then you realized how weird queer people are and you're like "Mm, I'm good
1: (laughs) that it was that I realized um that the entire process with school and then getting the license but to get the license you have to pass the test but to take the test you have to have I think it was like I don't know if it was two years or if it was that you have two years to obtain a certain number of supervised hours and you have to pay the supervisor and it was just really looking like I was not Mm -hmm. going to have a license anytime soon versus if I majored in the specific type of counseling, which I'm not gonna mention that I did major in, I could graduate with a 100% job acceptance rate right off the bat. Yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: Not more than I would as a therapist. So I wound up going with the, taking the easy way out. Mm-hmm. And I do like my job, I do love my job. My job is unfortunately very at odds with my drag. So I have to keep it a secret, but I do like it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I can uh I can definitely sympathize with the wanting to take an easy route because I so when I was getting my masters in opera, I remember I basically had two options handed to me in terms of what I could do after. And the first option was if I wanted to be an opera singer slash opera star, um I would need to immediately after my master's program would have to go in and start doing young artist programs I was like well that doesn't sound too bad like singing in smaller houses kind of moving around a little bit whatever I can do that and then my my advisor is like oh yeah and you have to pay for those I was like what <laughs> she's like yeah they're required kind of to like because everyone does them and if someone doesn't do them then you're not going to get the job uh, but they generally you have to pay for the program And then you have to pay your rent and stuff too and I was like so So I would have to have like a full time job On top of my full time job And she was like yeah all of us do that And I was like nope <laughs> I'm, I'm good I don't want to do that And she was like well especially the one that you should go to Is the Santa Fe Young Artist Program And I was like so I have to live like Super high elevations And have two full time jobs No I'm, I'm good <laughs> And so the other option was getting a doctorate and becoming a professor, which of course I want to do, but it's uh, that's gonna be a few years in the making because <laughs> I do not have the money for that right now.
1: Um, masters, I've thought about going back to school and getting a PhD to be a professor because mm-hmm. when you're a doctor, you can do whatever you want. They don't exactly
0: you
1: your, life. your kids are over 18. So that's awesome. Well, and but- on top
0: of that. On top of that, when you're teaching uh, at the college level, because I've thought about, because having a master's, all I need is a is to take the test and I would have a teaching certificate and I could teach high school easy. Um, but the thing about teaching college versus if I were to teach high school is that when you teach high school, the impetus is on you for whether or not they get good grades. And when you get into teaching college, if they don't get a good grade, it's their own damn fault
1: exactly and I so really many, like that there's so many more just like specific courses in college too mm-hmm. so you can really actually teach something that you are interested in rather than the state telling you what you're teaching and when Absolutely. so probably many times maybe one day I'll be professor envy but I right now I'm like not planning to go back to school anytime soon
0: well and thinking about it too it's a salaried job which means you're paid the whole year but you still get three months off in the summer like sounds great to me <laughs> but yeah I definitely that's that's a far off plan for me but um I am hopefully getting there at some point and then we'll have a Professor Gabor and you know they can deal with it because then I'll still get to perform yeah
1: <laughs> audience and you're, it's, I'm
0: going to make it everybody else's problem. Oh my God. Imagine if I just was like a college professor in full drag every day, just got like drag suits made for myself and walked in and was like, okay, we're doing this.
1: Very <laughs> broken, Bianca. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so great. No, uh, speaking of generalized courses and psychology, when I started college, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I went in doing music because I was like, if I end up wanting to do music, I need to have started it right away. Other degrees, you can kind of wait a semester or two and and start, Uh, but music, you have to be there first day of your first semester going. Um, So I started there, but then I kind of toyed around with the idea of like linguistics or such and such, and then I was like, oh, except I'm really interested in psychology, so I'm gonna go and take Psych 101. And no one told me that 101 courses are like the worst courses, because professors hate teaching them, because they're used to teaching all the really super specific classes that they're really interested in. So you get to the Psych 101 and you're just like, oh yeah, there's this person. We don't really talk about him past 101, but you you should know who he is.
1: (laughs) No, you can just say
0: Sigmund Freud exactly it was basically <laughs> just like two and a half months of, of listening to them be bored with Freud and at the end I was like I don't want to be in psychology this was a wrong choice I'm good <laughs> and I still wish that someone would explain to me because I wasn't interested in how individual minds worked I was inter- I was interested in how like oh. communities of minds worked And if someone had explained to me that that's sociology, (laughs) I would have absolutely been there day one sociology ready to go, but no one did and I explained it exactly like that I was like I don't really care how how individual people think like I don't, I don't care, I just want to know how they work in groups, and no one said at any point oh that's sociology. Or like if I had mentioned history too, they would have been like, oh yeah, that's anthropology. Go over to that department. Like no one told me <laughs> and I'm still better.
1: <laughs> now, I took sociology and I took AP psychology in high school. So I didn't have to do like psych 101 and stuff. When oh, I went.
0: I'm didn't so jealous.
1: So I took a lot of that. But I was definitely more so interested in learning about, yeah, how the brain works, how like most people's brain works. But I wanted to know how like, the criminally insane brains worked (laughs) and I wanted to know about mental illness
0: (laughs) Mm, absolutely the the things that we could relate to (laughs) wait did you did you watch Mindhunter
1: no I didn't watch Mindhunter
0: oh it's so good it's so good beyond I mean Jonathan Groff is just dreamy unfortunately I hate that I think that but he is um it's such a fascinating point in history where where we started realizing that their brains were just different than everyone else's um and behavioral sciences started and uh, i just i find it fascinating like just serial killers in general and i i don't glorify them <laughs>
1: Fame. I do not glorify them. I, I just like to hear about it while I'm having my morning coffee.
0: Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> what is, what is the, um, oh, actually here, let's go in this direction. So, uh, when I asked you to be on, on my podcast, I also asked you to, um, pick a queer person in history. Um, And you had a few ideas and you you were a little waffly on the questionnaire. So now I'm very curious, um, who would you like to teach me about as a queer person in history?
1: So I was going back and forth between like a few different people, but I think I'm going to go with John Waters because I am someone who's very into cult movies And he's written some of my favorite movies. And even his movies that I haven't seen, I just love the general, like, what's the word? Like, not aesthetic, because it goes beyond the way it looks. But I like the general, like, theming of his movies. Mm. They're all very, like, there's something just so surreal about all of them. But then it'll just be about, like, regular people.
0: Mm, Interesting. I've actually never seen a John Waters movie.
1: I would recommend... Hides head in
0: shame. <laughs> oh,
1: you, yes, you have. You've seen Hairspray, right?
0: Uh, I saw the original... I think maybe like half an hour of the original because it was on TV at one point. So I saw like the last half hour of it. I really need to go watch, the, watch it.
1: Yeah, Hairspray is definitely like his most commercially successful film. Like when most people mm. think of John Walters, I don't think they think of Hairspray because... That movie was so very, it was just very different from the rest of his. It was really accessible. Yes, it was accessible. It was something that was generally pleasing to watch for all audiences, and that's not something that is typical of a John Waters film. So (sighs) I think when most people think of John Waters, they think of Pink Flamingos,
0: Mm. which is the movie, yeah, the (laughs) Everyone Must Die, Murder Everyone Now movie.
1: (laughs) murder everyone now cannibalism
0: (laughs) yes I definitely it's on my list and I feel terrible that I haven't made it a priority yet I I did get
1: the first John Waters film that I've ever seen
0: uh, I, I got a few of the references when they did the John Waters challenge on Drag Race but only because it's like some of those are so ingrained in, in queer culture at this point that i was like oh yeah the shit eating and oh yeah the that dress and but um
1: but he's also an artist in a few different aspects. So he's an actor in films. He's a director and writer of films, um, as well as musicals. And he's also a fine artist. I believe his main thing outside of film is photography. Hmm. And everything that he does, regardless of the genre that it is, like the type of art that it is, it kind of fits this specific like, comedic campy absurdity while also kind of like I think a lot of what he created was in times where there was a lot more censorship in art and in movies and on tv and I think a lot of what he creates goes directly against that censorship like here is the worst thing I could think of here you go (laughs) enjoy it Um, And I think that's like what I like about him. And I think the other thing that kind of makes him, I guess, a very memorable character is the fact that he is a character like John Waters almost is like not a real person. Like Mm. he's not off. He like John Waters himself. Even though it is just him, it's not him playing a character the way that like he looks the way he presents himself the way he lives his life it's like he is a character starring in his own movie like you can see his face and just be like yes that is John Waters no one else would ever have a mustache like that that must be John (laughs) Waters
0: (laughs) I was just gonna say uh have you watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel at all
1: I've seen a few episodes but I definitely haven't like watched the whole series
0: there's an episode in the latest season where uh Midge is just like sitting in a park and she's trying she thinks that (coughs) excuse me (coughs) my allergies have been like I've taken so many COVID tests and my allergies are just making me cough up a storm it's the craziest thing okay um so Midge is sitting in a park and she thinks that her manager is like a lesbian but they never actually say that out loud um and I don't think she actually is but she thinks she is at one point and so she like basically goes to the village and sits on a park bench and is just like asking people that look like they might be gay bearing in mind this is like the late 60s at this point so it's like not as bad but still a little iffy um and like anyone walking past she's like where's the nearest bar where women can spend time with women and like going back and forth and all these people are just like running away from her because they think she's a cop and then the camera like pans over and it's just John Waters sitting there and he's like I think I know the place that you're looking for and I just I haven't seen his movies and I still like squeal that I was like
1: ah <laughs> like Stan Lee like he just like makes things like he'll a lot of his acting credits like it's not that he's playing an actual character it's that he's there as John Waters
0: oh yeah absolutely even in the 60s and it completely fit and he was just wearing this like really nice white linen suit with that pencil mustache you're like yes absolutely I believe that you're you fit in that time period
1: (laughs) in that time period he would have been like in his early 20s, I think.
0: I think so, yeah. He but was- it's just, yeah. <laughs> it made me it made me so happy. But they were just like, we're going to make this show even more queer. Here you go.
1: <laughs> and I think that's just like one of the cool things about John Waters <laughs> is just like, not even just to queer people, but like to everyone in general, it's like, oh, yep, there's John Waters.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he's definitely like cemented his place.
1: Yes, I would like to have like that level of notoriety. Just like, I have like a non-speaking role in like some show. I'm just in the background. They're like, oh yes, that's Venus Envy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Peru is like you'll just be like watching like <laughs> Will and Grace or something, and then like the bank teller will just be Coco Peru, and it's like, oh, there's Coco Peru. Yes.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally know what you mean. It would be so lovely to have that. I mean, RuPaul even does that a lot too, where it's yeah. literally just like a two-line thing at most but he's just standing there out of drag, just bloop. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> like in Grace and Frankie season one, it's like, why is Rube playing someone's assistant?
1: Like what? I'm a cheerleader. He's like the camp counselor at like the straight camp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and I think the other one was Mink Stole, who was one of mm. John Wilder's original, I think they were called like the Dreamland cast. Like okay. his original recurring cast in all of his movies. She was one of those.
0: I remember seeing the um the another gay movies um it's the yeah it's another gay movie um and then all of the sequels all have Meek stolen them and I remember seeing the first couple of them when I had just come out because I had no idea where to find any kind of gay anything online I was like oh that has the title that has gay in the title it must be something gay watched it and was completely scandalized because I had no frame of reference or anything. It
1: was just like, what is happening? I have no idea it's satire and like what it's referencing.
0: Exactly. And like she's in the movies and I, and they, they always made this like had this emphasis on her no, you know what it is. It's not another gay movie. It's eating out that she's in. I, I always get them switched up because they're basically the same thing. Um, just gay romance schlock um but so but she's in all of the movies and I remember every time she comes on screen for the first time they make like this kind of a big deal about her coming on screen and so (laughs) even from the first time I saw one of those movies I was like she must be someone important but I don't get it and now I'm just like oh my god that was Mink (laughs) Stoll why was I such an idiot
1: That's where I want to be. Like, she must be important, but, like, I don't know. That's, like,
0: my goal in life. Why did everyone just turn around and stare when they walked in the room? I don't understand. (laughs) It would be very nice to have that level of notoriety. Have something in the history books other than, yep, they existed. And, I mean, you being in Orlando, but also being... Uh, online i mean you're one of the first uh tiktokers that i knew that really blew up um i think did we correct me if i'm wrong but were you one of the tiktok tiktokers that like right when the app started they did that like thing where they contracted a bunch of us to do a Um, bunch of videos right before DragCon?
1: but no i had joined i had joined tiktok about six months before when it was this cringy thing and everyone made fun of me and then they started paying drag queens to join the app and i messaged them well because they reached out to me and i said um yes i would love to participate in this i actually do have a tiktok account i've been on tiktok for about six months and i have ten thousand followers and then they said oh we don't want you anymore because why would they pay me to do what i'm already doing for free free. and annoyed at them and i was very actually very bitter about it yeah drag entertainers are like oh yeah i'll join this like stupid cringy app if they're paying <laughs> you and I'm like i've been advocating for this stupid cringy app. <laughs> <laughs> um so i was actually like very annoyed with that and then i actually tried to talk to tiktok at DragCon and be like hey um if you ever like if you want like a guest at your booth like i'll do it for free and, like, if you ever, like, want a drag queen for, like, ads or collaborations and whatnot. And they, like, they never hit me up for anything ever.
0: I mean, okay, but- to make you feel a little better about it, uh, A, they were really bad about paying us. It was, they were, like, paying us individually via PayPal. Because at that point, it was still this really tiny company just somewhere in Southern California. And they hadn't sold, like, been sold to the uh, company outside the country yet um and at least like two-thirds of us had to threaten to sue them to get paid uh it was it was crazy so
1: reputation and then everyone's like boycott tiktok and i'm like yeah i I don't want to
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's why i wasn't on tiktok for like years after that because i was like i don't want to be part of it i deleted my account i had gotten probably I mean, it, it wasn't where you were, but I'd probably gotten like two or 3,000 followers because they were promoting my content. Um, and then I just like deleted it. I was like, you guys suck, I'm out. And now I'm like, yay, I have 300 followers.
1: <laughs> I, I stuck with it, even though I was like kind of annoyed with them after all that. Like, obviously I was annoyed with them for not paying people, but also I was very yeah. offended. That, um, they yeah. Because they were already getting my stuff for free but I also didn't want to, they said I could do it if I deleted my account, but I didn't want to delete my account because I had like 15,000 followers and a couple yeah. of my old videos. Um, but I'm glad that I stuck with TikTok because that's how I make my money and drag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's completely fair. I think the video that I think of when I think of your account is the one where you use your tongue for your upper lip and you had painted it with lipstick. Yeah. Um, because that, it like sends shivers up my spine when I think about that was,
1: that was the dumb like I there's videos that I actually like you know put effort into and that I edited and like this was like before you could edit videos with text and stuff in the app. Like there mm-hmm. are some videos that I like spent time on or put out like good educational content or showed off actual talent. But no, the lipstick video is the one that's gonna be views. <laughs> and I think it's cuz it, it had
0: that like gross out factor cuz everyone was like you painted your tongue. It was it I was
1: I didn't think anything was odd about it and then like you know once you go viral for something on TikTok you have to like give the people what they want. You got to capitalize on it. So there's multiple other videos where I've kind of like just upped the stakes. Um like there's one where I actually like, put on lipstick and then took a full on bite out of it. Um there and swallowed it. There's videos where I drank so a lot of those videos have gotten taken down for obvious reasons. <laughs> also, I wasn't really drinking soap. Like, okay, so I had, like, the soap bottle. Uh-huh. Like, the game soap. And, like, you know, like, that song, Soap by Melanie Martinez. I actually have a drag number where I do this as well. I just haven't done it in a while. But I put blue Gatorade in the soap bottle. Mm. I it. I make a disgusted face. Like, I just drank actual soap. And then I have a cup of water. And the water actually has soap in it. So I drink the water out of a straw so I'm not moving it around you can't tell that there's soap in there and it makes me foam at the mouth so then they're like oh it's just Gatorade but they don't think the soap is in the water and then when I'm foaming at the mouth they're like oh my god she actually drank soap so like that was a bit that I've done a few times but Mm -hmm. it's gotten taken down every time I've tried to do it on TikTok because it's a quote unquote dangerous activity
0: because they're worried that someone might think oh I can just drink soap because people are stupid
1: yeah like can't they just put that little like? This is a done by a professional. Do not attempt.
0: Yeah, but then um, you'd still have you'd still have the Gen Zers being like, "Let's eat Tide Pods."
1: Yeah, I think we are talking about the same generation, Tide Pods, so I guess like <laughs> drinking soap was not the move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything witty. I've done a few like makeup transformations there's this the very first video I posted on this account uh was a to your mean one Mr. Grinch and I was turning into like a who it was supposed to be Cindy Lou who and now I'm watching it. I'm like it doesn't look like Cindy Lou at all because the hair was just like my Marilyn hair um but like Martin there are, there are a couple transitions in it that I was like I don't know how I did that that perfectly but I am proud of this video <laughs>
1: I wish I could do more transition content. If I could post my face out of drag online, I would be unstoppable. Not only because (laughs) I could do makeup tutorials and transitions, but also because I'm very hot.
0: (laughs) I mean, yes you are. Uh, No, I remember when I made that video, I like taped my phone to my computer and like taped my chair down. And then did not get up until I had finished my makeup. And so whenever I needed to film something, I would just press the button and film it really quick. Mm -hmm. So like, I was like sitting in that chair in that exact position for like two and a half hours and it was awful. And I will never do it again, but I am very proud of that video.
1: I like live vicariously through my roommates. I try to like force Dahlia to make TikToks. I made her make a transition TikTok the other day. (laughs) I had to like position her. I had to show her, I had to edit it for her. Oh my
0: God. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't figured out the editing tools on TikTok at all. I just, I generally will make the video on uh, iMovie and then just import it into my phone and (laughs) post it. It's too hard otherwise. Um, Well, we're coming to the end of the episode. Uh, Where can people find you online?
1: You can find me online at Venus Envy Drag on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, and wherever novelty items are sold.
0: Amazing. Do you have merch?
1: I do have merch. I have um, t-shirts and mugs and tote bags and such on Drag Queen merch. And I also have Ooh. an Etsy shop where I sell signed prints. I do them on there so I can actually like sign them before I send them out. That's awesome. And occasionally I will sell my makeup wipes signed. They usually sell out pretty quick and I have not put them up in a while because I've been stockpiling them for um, sales at Bazaar Botanica, which is this like mm. monthly bucket that I work. But whatever does not sell at Bazaar Botanica, I will put up um, back That's on amazing.
0: my head. That's awesome. I have tried doing that before and I'm I'm too eager to get out of drag and to take my time taking it off. <laughs> well, it's been really lovely getting to chat with you. It's been a long time coming and um thank you thank you for being on the pod.
1: Of course, thank you for having me. How long have we known each other online? Like
0: I think you- since yeah, like 4 or 5 years. It's been it's been a long time. Someday yeah. I'll get down to Orlando and I'll perform or something. But
1: yeah, I'll we'll totally show you around. We can go to like I mean Disney's expensive, but we can go to like um icon park where all those people keep dying.
0: Oh great. That sounds <laughs> great. I do need to go to Universal, so maybe we could do oh, that.
1: Halloween horror nights. <gasps>
0: Ooh, I might just have to be in Florida for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I go like
0: every day of the week <laughs> oh my god I love that alright well um, thank you for yeah, being here but. and we will see you all later yeah, bye. But. Bye. yeah but thank you yeah, for listening but. to yeah but with Vivian Gabor tune in next week same place same time yeah, but. yeah.